Welcome back, everybody, to Battlefield. I'm your host, Jessica Trout. And this has been a little bit of a hard morning already, considering what I just found out. My friend got a hold of me saying that one of her good friends, who I only claim to know really as just what I used to claim her as an acquaintance, uh, she became a, you know, friend. I didn't know her very well, but um, she was found unresponsive today. She was actually in the hospital three weeks ago for blood clot. She was homeless for a while. And we knew this. Thing is, she was all the way in Texas when we knew this. What happened was she missed her bus to go come home. And, um... Her journey kind of started on from there. I followed her documentation on Facebook. She always had her phone charged. Made sure she was somewhere with Wi-Fi all the time. Keep everybody updated. You're probably thinking to yourself, well, why do you feel so sad? even cried tears and you didn't know her as well. Well, thing is, I think about taking life for granted or watching other people and taking that for granted, thinking I can go to bed at night thinking nothing's gonna happen to her. When a million things could have happened to her while her being homeless. She could have gotten raped, murdered, while sleeping. I mean, she could have been left for dead out in the streets. She could have died in a box. She could have died sleeping in a corner somewhere. She could have died sleeping under a bridge somewhere. And I just gotta say that I am very, very happy. Now, don't take this the wrong way. I am very, very happy that she was able to die in a nice warm apartment with blankets and a pillow for her head. And someone was there with her. She didn't die alone. My worst fear for her was that she was going to die alone out there on the streets and only the next homeless person would notice her to get help. I was scared she was going to go hungry and die. I was scared she was going to get raped and die. Turns out, this is more of a blessing than, you know, a bad thing. Because she died somewhere safe, warm, cozy, and with someone she was staying with now it's still to me 
the downside was that she's just dead because she was she was young she had a daughter waiting for her at home she had family waiting for her at home she couldn't come home till she raised enough money to come home now some people would say well maybe she died for a reason because the universe didn't want her to suffer anymore or some a lot of some other people would say religiously the lord didn't want her to suffer anymore maybe it was her time because yeah maybe just because the la- the clot in the leg you know was there maybe there was something else that traveled through her body and made her pass we won't know I think, I don't know if the family's going to order an autopsy. First, they got to get through today. Because as far as I'm concerned, people today just need to rest. We need to be, we need to realize that we shouldn't take life for granted. Because you can up and stop breathing at any moment. You can stop breathing right now as you're listening to this for all you know. You can go to sleep tonight and not wake up the next morning. For all you know. Granted, yes, she was a smoker. But to me, that shouldn't have meant anything. That's my belief. That shouldn't have meant anything. Somehow, the universe... Should have got her home. The thing is, was this the plan all along? We have so many questions. I have so many questions. I am very saddened. And being an empath, it hurts a little bit more. And here's the deal. Well, for some of you who don't know what empath means, it's like empathy. So, we feel more... It doesn't matter if we're looking at a picture. We, it doesn't matter if we're looking at a video. It doesn't matter if we're watching a stranger across the, way from, across the aisle from Walmart. It's like we can somehow feel their pain. Their emotions... And we can detect their sadness, their anger, their happy. And here's the deal. When I, she was documenting everything, mostly with videos and, and some pictures of her homeless venture. Every time I would watch or I would see something, I would feel sick to my stomach. Not only because she was still homeless and still, you know, looking to you know, have a food in her mouth, you know, um, a place to sleep. I just felt like I could connect to that, even though I don't know what it's really like to live out in, out in the streets at night. Scared if you're going to live or die the next day. But the thing is, I felt like I could connect to it, and it made me sad. But also, it relieved me. 
to know that she was still alive each time I would watch her, her stuff. When I found out she was in the hospital, I was like, oh, I, well, she looks okay, but I wonder what happened. Here's the deal. I didn't ask. I just kind of would follow. She didn't really say much if something was happening. You know? But at the same time, it was like, okay, well, if she's... And at least she's in a place where they're taking care of her. You know? So, it's really hard. It's just really hard to even talk. Because I can't tell you how much that no, who, no, it doesn't matter how many people die. We're always going to come to the realizations that we take life for granted. It seems like every time someone dies, whether they're in our family, a close friend, or an acquaintance, we come to an aha moment every time. And that aha moment is we take life for granted. I need to not take life for granted. Here's the deal. We say it, but we don't put it into action. And I think it's because the realization of the aha moment is just for that small time only. It's not something that teaches us. The thing is, all the deaths that I have dealt with I've had an aha moment. But here's the deal. I never put it into action until years later. And that's what I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to put my life into action because I don't want to take it for granted. And it's just sad to know that somebody who... Not only had a daughter at home to go back to, but family to know that she laid her head down at night and just didn't wake up. I don't know if the universe said that it was time because she was suffering or something would have happened to her and so... She was just taken early from us. Was it medical complications? We won't know. Hopefully we'll know later on. I'm hoping that we can get an actual answer. But I'm trying to look at the little bit of positives and that's she didn't die alone she had food in her stomach she had water or whatever she drank before she went to bed she got a blanket she had a pillow she had a place to lay down her head 
And But that's really hard to think about considering, you know, it it's just not fair. And it will never be fair. Death is not always fair. We're going to die either way. Whether, you know, we are in a car accident and we suddenly somehow just up and die on scene. Or it's a medical problem like cancer, clots, heart attacks. Or just because we just stop breathing. Why? I don't know. I can't tell you why. It's just one of those things that question a question that goes unanswered most of the time unless you do an autopsy of things. When I got to know this woman, I was very, very, I had fun with her. We went out to the bar with my other friend and we had a great time. She just seemed like a person that been through some shit but here's the deal she got stronger because of it she was going through some shit before her last breath but the thing is she made so much of it there were even times on her phone like when I would see videos and stuff there were times where it looked like she was just having the time of her life she was just trying to make the best of a homeless situation But you know what? I bet you before she closed her eyes every night, after finding a place to sleep, she would feel so depressed and not worthy. She'd probably feel like she wasn't a person that deserved it. But what she doesn't realize is that she was so worthy and she was just so... She was... She was more than just a homeless person. She was a woman who had a daughter, had family back home. All she wanted to do was go to someone's funeral down in Texas. And she missed the bus, and that was it. It's like the universe changed her whole life right then and there. Why? I don't know. Why there it, things couldn't go better for her? I don't know. And that's the part where I just don't get it. As a human, we all have emotions that we can't help feel because that's how we're programmed. This, this is our features. This is how we navigate. I'm, I am actually pissed off. At the same time, sad. I'm brokenhearted. Because not only was it unfair, but she was too young to go. She still had a daughter to come back home to. Even the medical situations sometimes that kill people just piss me off because it isn't fair. Why? It just, I don't know. It just, I can't. I can't fathom. I don't think I'll ever be able to wrap my brain around anything, really. Until I die and then I get all the answers. But to get all the answers, you gotta die. That's what I just said. You gotta die to get all your answers. Then... And some of you are probably like, well, you can. It's just, you gotta wait. It's called an autopsy. I don't care. I don't care. I know. 
thing is, autopsies are just physical apparitions of what might have happened. So we go with that because that's the only thing how we can explain death sometimes. Is if we cut open a person and we see and the people who do it study what every little bit of organ as to why or is there a clot. They look for shit. That's our physical, you know, on take. But here's the deal. What really, really happened is out of our control. I'm going to read from the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson. Because I think it kind of pertains to this. And I, I got done reading the chapter, The Value of Suffering. And let me tell you something. The woman I've been talking about, I mean, there's the, a lot of value of suffering that she went through. Um, I'm not going to type it all out, I don't think. Um, but I just want you to know, I do not own the writing. I do not own this book. I am not the author. I just read from it. I do like to quote the author so everyone knows that, you know, I'm not taking it. Okay. Alright, here we go. If I can find the beginning, that would be super duper. Okay. Mark Manson writes The Self-Awareness Onion in this book. He likes to title some sections called The Self-Awareness Onion. Self-awareness is like an onion, he says. There are multiple layers to it, and the more you peel them back, the more likely you're going to start crying at inappropriate times. Let's say the first layer of the self-awareness onion is a simple understanding of one's emotions. This is when I feel happy. This makes me feel sad. This gives me hope. Unfortunately, there are many people who suck at even this most basic level of self-awareness. I know, because I'm one of them. My wife and I sometimes had a fun back and forth that goes something like this. So he writes their conversation. Her, what's wrong? Me, nothing's wrong, nothing at all. Her again, no, something's wrong, tell me. I'm fine, really. Are you sure? You look upset. With nervous laughter, really? No, I'm okay. 30 minutes later, me. And that's why I'm so fucking pissed off. He just acts as if I don't exist half the time. So, we all have those emotional spots that that we are taught that we're not supposed to say or should I say inappropriate when we're growing up. But it takes years and as we're growing to you know be able to identify the good and expressing the affected emotions. But appropriately, as we go on. So the value of suffering isn't just is within us, but it's also within other people. And it's hard for us to understand their suffering until we, I guess you can say... Try to understand their situation appropriately. Putting ourselves in their shoes appropriately. 
And sometimes those sh we just have shitty values. Mark writes, there are a handful of common values that create really poor problems for people. Problems that can hardly be solved. So let's go over some of them quickly. One is pleasure. Pleasure is great, but it's horrible value to prioritize your life around. Ask any drug addict how his pursuit of pleasure turned out. Ask any adulterer who shattered her family and lost her children. Whether pleasure ultimately made her happy. Ask a man who almost ate himself to death. How pleasure helped him solve his problems. Pleasure is a false god. Research shows that people who focus their energy on superficial pleasures end up more anxious, more emotionally unstable, and more depressed. Pleasure is the most superficial form of satisfaction, and therefore the easiest to obtain and the easiest to lose. And yet, it has marked to us, marketed to us 24-7. Pleasure is not the cause of happiness. Rather, it is the effect. If you get the other stuff right, the other values and metrics, then pleasure will naturally occur as a byproduct. Material success. You guys, material success, like, or should I say materialism, does not make you happy. You putting materials to think to make you happy is the value of suffering in some sort of way. Excuse me, my son is standing by me, so you, you'll hear him. So, Mark writes, many people measure their self-worth based on how much money they make or what kind of car they drive or whether their front lawn is greener and prettier than next-door neighbors. Research, research shows that once one is able to provide for basic physical needs like food, shelter, and so on, the correlation between happiness and worldly success quickly approaches zero. So if you're starving and living on the street in the middle of India, or in this case, or in America, an extra $10,000 a year would affect your happiness a lot. But if you're sitting pretty in the middle class in a developed country, an extra $10,000 per year won't affect anything much. Meaning that you're killing yourself working overtime weekends for basically nothing. The other issue is overvaluing material success is the danger of prioritizing and over other values, such as honesty, nonviolence, and compassion. When people measure themselves not by their behavior, but by the status symbols that they're able to collect, then not only are they shallow, but they're probably assholes as well. The other thing is always being right. Our brains are inefficient machines. So what that means is, what he's trying to say is that we're always inefficient. We can never be efficient. Okay? We can never be, always be right all the time. For people who think they are always right, obviously have a problem. We constantly make poor assumptions, Mark says. Misjudge probabilities, misremember facts, given the cognitive biases, and make decisions based on our emotional whims. As humans, we're wrong pretty much constantly. So if your metric for life success to be right, well, you're going to have a difficult time rationalizing all the bullshit to yourself, he says. People who base their self-worth on being right about everything prevent themselves from learning from their mistakes. They lack the ability to take on new perspectives and emphasize with others. They close themselves off to a new and important information. So, 
If you think you're this person who thinks they need the pleasure, the materialistic items, and of course you can be right all the time, you are uh, not living a happy life. You're not making mistakes to learn, or you're trying not to, so you're not learning anything. You think everything you do is perfect. And you feel that if you do make a mistake, you're not going to come back to it. A lot of this is the value of suffering. Your value that you value so much, like materialism and pleasure, you're suffering. Some people know it, some don't. Mark writes, it's far more helpful to assume that you're ignorant and don't know a whole lot. This keeps you unattached to superstitious or poorly informed beliefs. Promotes a constant state of learning and growth. Number four, staying positive. Then there are those who measure their lives by the ability to be positive about, well, pretty much everything. Lost your job? Great. That's an opportunity to explore your passions. Husband cheated on you with your sister? Well, at least you're learning what you really mean to people around you. Child dying of throat cancer? At least you don't have to pay for college anymore. Wow. While there is something to be said for staying on the sunny side of life, the truth is sometimes life sucks and the healthiest thing you can do is admit it. People who are in denial mostly have negative emotions, guys. They have an emotional dysfunction because they rather, you know, treat their depression or anxiety with denial than actually live. You know, actually admit it and live through it. You can't always be positive all the time. Sometimes you just gotta cry yourself to sleep and say, I screwed up today, but tomorrow's a new day. You learn the value of suffering. But, unfortunately, there's, it's always gonna be every day. Every day, guys. I mean, the woman I talked about, she's suffered every day. She learned the value value of it, but here's the deal. She kept on going. She knew she was, you know, suffering from being depressed. She was upset at the world, but here's the deal. The choices she made, if any, I don't know, bad or good, good or bad, affected how she lived through her suffering. And she, but she had to somehow learn from it and move on. As Freud once said, Mark writes, one day in retrospect, the years of struggle strike you as the most beautiful. This is why these values, pleasure, material success, and always being right and staying positive are poor ideals for a person's life. Some of the greatest moments of one's life are not pleasant, not successful, and not known, and not positives. So I bet you 
the greatest moments of her life were not being successful, not pleasant, not known, and not positive. Because those things are what made her be that person. But I admired her strength. I did. I admired her strength. She had all those empty highs. But those were highs that ne never went sour. She even made the littlest thing the biggest thing. Like finding a plug-in for her charger to charge her phone was successful. Was empty, but a positive side effect to a value. A good value. So good values are reality-based, socially constructive, and immediate and controllable. She was able to control. We should be able to control and be constructive and but come react and be reality-based on that control and con and uh, construct. Bad values are superstitious, socially destructive, and not immediate or controllable. But the thing is, a lot of people take. Bad values more than they do good. Because people get very destructive when something goes wrong. They, they become a person of not being able to control situations. So they decide to become socially inept, destructive. And so therefore... They learn the bad value of suffering. And it just makes it worse. Down here he writes, Side note, as a rule, people who are terrified of what others think about them are actually terrified of all the shitty things they think about themselves being reflected back at them. Some examples of good, healthy values like honesty, innovation, vulnerability, standing up for oneself, standing up for others, self-respect, curiosity, charity, humility, creativity. Bad ones that are unhealthy. Dominance through manipulation or violence, indiscriminating, indiscriminate fucking, feeling good all the time, always being the center of attention, not being alone, being liked by everybody, being rich for the sake of being rich, sacrificing small animals to the pagan gods. So, honestly, it is bad to have those val bad values. And there's nothing, and the thing is, it seems like we thrive on those more than we do our good values. Because society today does not want to take humility. Does not want to even take the curiosity. Because it seems like today, you ask a question because you're curious and you want to get it right. Now today, asking that question because you're curious is like offensive. Standing up for yourself is now offensive. But at the same time, people are saying, oh yeah, we want to stand up for ourselves, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, when you're trying to stand up for yourself, everybody gets pissed off at you.
So we're. It seems like we're taking more of our bad values, and and we're suffering from those values. We're not trying to put into good. We're not trying to put it in our good values to help ourselves get through that suffering. You know there, and also we. T- there is. Things that we also, you know, there's a lot of things we avoid because they're negative. Thing is, when we avoid things that are negative, then we're stuck with them, right? Mark says the rest of this book is dedicated to five counterintuitive values I believe are the most beneficial values one can adopt. He says they are life-changing. He likes, he lists. The first, which we look at in the next chapter, is a radical form of responsibility. Taking it for everything that occurs in your life, regardless of who's at fault. The second is uncertainty. uncertainty, The acknowledgement of your own ignorance and the cultivation of constant doubt in your own beliefs. The next is failure. The willingness to discover your own flaws and mistakes so that they may be improved upon. The fourth is rejection. Which will probably be my favorite part considering I used to be, well, I'm still working on it. I still kind of am a person that doesn't take rejection as well, but she is starting to. So that will be my favorite part. The ability to both say and hear no, thus clearly defining what you will and will not accept in your life. The final value is the contemplation of one's own mortality. This one is crucial because paying vigilant attention to one's own death is perhaps the only thing capable of helping us keep all of our all our other values in proper perspective. So yes, the next chapter is you are always choosing. And here's the deal. What gets me about that is that um we all make choices good or bad. But yet what I've read so far, we're suffering, but we just choose to put in the good value of suffering or bad value of suffering. We're choosing the happiness of bad a bad or good happiness that I've read so far. And of course, we're choosing what to give a fuck about and what to not give a fuck about. Sorry if I was, uh, if I felt like I was stuttering on a lot of things. But it's because I'm trying to explain it to you in the best way possible into my ability without reading you 10 pages of a chapter that I know to some people can seem boring. Yay! Guys, most of us human beings choose. To put in our bad values more than we do good. But the thing is, it seems like when we put in bad values and we lay our head down at night, we're not going to sleep because we chose to think about that, drive ourselves on it, and then it follows it follows us on to the next day. Even though my husband likes to say, "Tomorrow's a new day," it doesn't matter. Tomorrow's a new day. Yes, it's a new day. Yes. And things are going to go differently. But if you put a bad value 
it's just going to follow you until you learn to find the good value into everyday life and your suffering. Like the woman I talked about, she, she tried so hard. Yes, it started out bad suffering. It started out bad. It started out with constant, you know, being scared, depressed, not knowing what to do. And she turned it into something she was trying to do. She was trying to survive. She's trying to put those good values into surviving and making the best of it until she was able to come home. But the thing is, she never made it home. But I still look at her as a strong person, whether she's here or not. She brought herself to realization, but she fought for through that bad suffering and she brought try to bring the good into it she knows she knew right when she became homeless she knew materialistic items didn't matter she just knew her life mattered she made a choice and she made the choice to try and keep herself going she knew happiness wasn't all it cooked up to be, but she tried to make it worth her wild. She learned not to give a fuck about the things that she used to give a fuck about because living on couch to couch or living in cardboard box to cardboard box, surviving the night was what was actually to give a fuck about at that point. I know she's gone, but I'm going to look at it. I'm going to look at her still. An, an image in my head of her, I'm going to look at her as a strong, capable person. She defied the odds. Whether she knows, whether she knew it or not, whether we know it or not, she defied the odds. But still, is it unfair that she got taken so suddenly after even finding a, a roof to put over her head, food in her stomach, a blanket and a pillow? Was it, was it unfair? Is it unfair still? Yes. After all that work to even get a roof over her head and a pillow to lay her head down upon. It, it, feels, it feels like she's still lost. feels that way. It feels like she lost. It feels like that to me that she lost. She successfully found a place to stay the night or whatever, or however long, and she's still lost. I can't wrap my brain around that. But I guess that comes with the value of suffering. People will probably look at it as this as a good thing. And I'm going to tell you 
how or why. The reason people will probably look at this as a good thing because, well, she's not suffering anymore. Or maybe she wasn't meant for this life anymore. Maybe the medical thing was just going to ruin it for her. So the universe or the good Lord, however you want to put it, took her. Some, a lot of people are going to look at this as a bad thing at first. And they're going to say that it wasn't fair. And it's not to me. It's not fair. They took her. Why? Nobody knows. I just want... You know, people be like, I just want her back. Her daughter is literally going to be suffering for a while, knowing that she lost her parent. But here's the deal. She lost her parent long ago when she, when her mother decided, or when her mother got lost and started becoming homeless. But the thing is, we, she physically lost her, and that's what's going to hurt the most. What hurts the most is that we physically lose someone. Okay, we don't realize that, you know, that's a bad value that we have. We suffer most with this bad value because they're physically gone. We physically can't touch them. We can't talk to them. We can't see them. So we take that bad value and we live on that and we suffer on that. I'm still coming to realize this. Because it's always going to hurt whether you have a self-help book about this shit or not. It's going to hurt because the fiscal part of people is that, you know, we get to touch, talk to them, smell them, whatever. But when they're gone and they're no longer around, then we get to the point where we get upset because we can't have them physically. So we live on that bad value And we become distraught and we can't control the situation. Therefore, we become destructive. But have you noticed that we somehow are able to get over it in time and we turn it into a good value because we're able to control the emotion? So, yes, eventually it becomes a good value. But here's the deal. It can only become a good value if you let it, if you work on it. Uh, Or else you're going to be stuck in a cycle of bad values. You're going to become a person that's just not going to think of everything negatively after that. It took me a while to get over deaths in my life. But here's the deal. I, you know, I agreed to work on it. I agreed to realize it's happened. I can't take it back. Okay. Thank you for listening. People die every day. It is not fair. It will never be fair. And I'm going to also tell you this. You know how people used to say yellow? You know, you only live once. You're wrong. You're wrong. I was even wrong. We don't live once. We live every day. When we wake up and lay our heads back down and then wake up again, we're, we live every day. We die once. So I'm going to say it again. We live every day, but you die once. So no, you don't live just once. You live every day. 
we die once. And that's it. So think about that. Thank you for listening. Have a good day.